We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. The views, and opi- the views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black, and I'm incredibly tired and exhausted. I've been doing heart surgery all night long. There's a good chance I'll fall asleep on the show today, which will make it even more interesting, because those can be honest shows. The honest penicillin shot to the arm or something like that. Today's an options day on Wall Street. It's kind of a grudge match. It's kind of like Hulk Hogan. Against the Iron Sheik, but today it's the Bulls versus the Bears. Who will have the split this week? So far, we've got two winning sessions. In this corner, we've got two up sessions. And in this corner, we've got two down sessions. So the day may be... What's the word? Unremarkable? Yeah, okay. I'm trying to think if that's a word. I think it is. The day may be non-remarkable? It's unremarkable. Yet the net change to the point, this point this week, it's, it's not much. So it's, it's, again, you and me, we're going nowhere slowly. Um, it's, it's just a sideways market this week. Where it goes, nobody knows. Where it goes for the remainder of the day, nobody knows. Where it goes over time, it goes higher. If you believe in capitalism. But maybe we don't live in as much of a capitalist market as we used to. A couple of years ago, healthcare was handled by private companies. Now healthcare is handled by the United States government on a lot of levels. So you can't say that's capitalism anymore, can you? So capitalism is changing in the United States. Um, what is out there today that's of note? Major indices in China. And Asia posted modest gains. Meh. Major stock markets in Europe, they're sporting gains. Yay. There isn't a lot of rhyme or reason in the headlines right now. Some reports are attributing um, a slightly update, potentially. The sense of relief that the U.S. market has hung in reasonably well this week. 
in the midst of a wake-up call that the Federal Reserve might raise interest rates in June. At the beginning of the week, there was almost no chance. But then data came out. Economic data. Data sensitive to our GDP. And people are like, ooh, they really might raise rates. June 14, 15 is coming up pretty fast. So a lot of people think, yeah, we'll probably miss that. We, we probably won't raise rates then. But, but, maybe the next one. And uh, it's a different world. I'm not going to talk Ariel. I'm not going to talk Disney Pixar. It's a whole new world. But it will be a whole new world when interest rates, you know, slowly but begrudgingly get higher. I love where we are now because I'm a relatively young man. I'm like, I want to buy another property. Are you going to give me 30 years of, of, of money at an incredibly low interest rate? Please. Thank you. I'll take it. Let me go get my money rake. Money rake. Pet and pet and Rob Black and your money. Um, cheap money is cheap money. And that's the beauty about low interest rates. Now, here's the downside about low interest rates. I'm probably owning more property and my stocks have probably done pretty well. And maybe your life hasn't done as good. And that's why the interest rates are lower. Something on your side of the fence has caused my side of the fence to get more attractive. Grass is not greener. On your side of the fence, boom, shakalaka, you're, you're living in Stockton. On my side of the fence, it's pretty damn good. Grass is not always greener. And that's why interest rates are low. Now, in the United States, we've got pretty much so full employment check. We've got a little bit of inflation, check. Those two things right there should mean the Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rates, which should mean my super cheap, super low cost of money on a mortgage might go away. Keep in mind, it's not my super cheap, super low cost of money. It's everyone's. It's the United States government. They're borrowing money at incredibly low rates. It, it, or they're printing money. United States government prints money. Uh, but it's also Apple who's building a huge spaceship building. NVIDIA is building a huge spaceship building right now. I drove right by that last night. So, um, Would that be annoying if I did that every time? Oil prices a little changed today, so that's not a big story. Oil prices have been a big story in the last 12 months. Not today. Oil's Playing with $50 a barrel? Or is it going to go back down under 40 uh, It's playing with 50 right now. The G7 meeting of finance leaders is kicked off in Japan. But no one is getting too worked up about that at the moment. Because there haven't been any hard-hitting headlines about policy prescriptions. Or tackling the world's economic woes. Or Japanese confrontation with a stronger yen. I know you're saying... You live a rock star lifestyle, don't you, Rob? I do. I do. When you're talking about Japanese confrontation with a stronger yen, that, that, that gets me excited, too. I'll be quite honest with you. I might take a bath this weekend and read Barron's cover to cover in a bubble bath Saturday morning. Maybe a little champagne. Yes, it's good to be me. Things could change, though. Passive developments in the world. Fostering some buying interest in the S&P 500. It's sitting at the low end of its range, which has gone 2040 to 2100. And that's basically been the predominant 
way it's played the game since mid-March. Earnings has been mixed. Applied Materials. Applied Materials makes ovens. I know you're saying ovens, like little easy-bake ovens. Which, weren't they just basically glorious light bulbs, essentially? You're cooking. I'm going to... Ma'am, I'm going to make you a cookie in my easy-bake oven. And basically, it's just basically cookie dough on top of a light bulb, right? What sort of scam is that? Like, we should have had our kids with real gas-powered ovens, right? Maybe, maybe even, like, nuclear fusion-powered ovens. But no, we're wusses in the United States. We give them light bulb-powered ovens. We wonder why we're falling behind in math and science. Applied materials. So they make ovens. What type of ovens, you say? They make semiconductor ovens. They make equipment that you can put silicon in. And ding, out comes 10 minutes later, an uh, Intel processor. Or ding, out comes an NVIDIA graphic processor. So Applied Materials had a good report, which is good, which tells you semiconductors continue to march forward. It's stock trading higher on that news. Deer and Company, what do they make? Oh, I love deer. You know, one of my fantasies is when I quit this job, I'm going to go get into like a, like a big John Deere tractor and just drive down the freeway and push cars out of the way. Maybe get on the bridge and push them over. I know you're saying, ooh, you're angry. No, 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 it just sounds like fun to me. It sounds like fun. So Deer topped its fiscal second quarter expectations, but it guided its third quarter revenues below analyst expectations. Boo! Boo! That's John Deere living in the world of what have you done for me lately? No. It's what are you going to do for me next? Wall Street doesn't care about what you did in the past. I could literally tell Wall Street, yeah, I've murdered people that are in my backyard. I've put them in coffee cans. But I'm going to earn more revenue and earnings next quarter. And, and that's all you have to say. It doesn't matter what you just did. It matters what you say you're going to do. Uh, there's no real telling where the market's going to go today. You get that feeling? I'm Roberto Negro. You're not. You can listen to the show at kdow.biz. There's an app that you can download as well, kdow.biz. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. The Friday Ice Report. Your San Jose Barracuda Hockey Updates. Welcome in. Good day to be a Bay Area. California sports fan. We've got the Golden State Warriors in the semifinals, I believe, is the right way of saying that, or the Western Conference Finals. Um, and then on top of that, we get the San Jose Sharks going deeper than they've gone, I believe, as far as total number of wins in the Stanley Cup playoffs ever, um, leading a series in the Western Finals. Pretty good stuff. Uh, joining me now, my friend and uh, co-broadcaster, um, awesome voice of the San Jose Barracuda, Eric Lindquist. How are you, Mr. Lindquist? It might be too soon for me. I heard the promo. I started to get emotional. It might be too soon, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, feeling pretty good. I was at the Sharks game last night, and uh, you hit it right there. It's the uh, the best the Sharks have ever done uh, in the playoffs up to this point, uh, leading the Western Conference Finals. And 
looking for their first ever trip to the Stanley Cup Finals. There's definitely a uh, hockey buzz in the air here in the Bay Area. And it's a lot like the San Francisco Giants, who didn't win a World Series forever, literally forever, and then they win one and all the past mistakes are washed away. We're getting painfully close to, like, being happy for the Sharks and saying, I saw that, I was there, this is the time. It's the Stanley, It's the best time of the year when the when the playoffs are on and it's down to the final four teams. Well, you know, uh, winning solves everything. And, uh, you know, I know uh, fans, sports fans, but hockey fans, uh, um, I, I think in general, uh, you know, they're loyal to a degree, but at the same time, um, you know, you, you gotta you gotta win win one or win something uh, every twenty something years, and uh, this being the Sharks' twenty fifth year of hockey in the Bay Area, and I, I think that the fans are hungry, they're they're ready, and uh, you know, I was at the game last night, and um, you know, after the game, you can really sense the energy from the fans, uh, you know, win or lose after each game, and. Last night after the win, uh, you know, walking out to your car in, in front of the SAP Center, there was definitely a, a different feeling than uh, in the past. And uh, it was electric. And I think fans are sensing that, uh, hey, why not us? Maybe, maybe this is the year the Sharks pull through. And, um, you know, there's three other teams left, St. Louis, which the Sharks are up 2-1. And in the east, it's Tampa and Pittsburgh. And, you know, really, there's none of the, the other three teams that really stick out and say, "Oh boy, they're gonna, they're really gonna give the Sharks fits." And uh, it's really a, a huge opportunity for the Sharks. I think the fans are starting to realize that uh, this this might be it. So there's definitely some excitement. Certainly pleased that the LA Kings and the Anaheim Ducks have gone down, and the Chicago Blackhawks, prior nemesis to the San Jose Sharks, um, some good with that but before we go further with the sharks let's give our condolences to the san jose barracuda who got knocked out early in the playoffs any recaps you want to do on the barracuda for us you know i uh, i don't have a eulogy uh prepared but okay. um you know reflecting back at the uh, at the season uh you know and, and the way the sharks are playing right now uh you know you're, you're gonna have to give the barracuda some credit in the way that the the, the sharks are playing they're uh the young guys are fresh um you know, I think we had uh, we had over 50 recalls this year from the Barracuda uh, to the Sharks, and um, it was uh, if it wasn't the top of the American Hockey League, it was in the top three. And um, you know, not to give the you know, it, it's within the whole organization the credit to bring the Barracuda out here this year, and it's putting the Sharks in a pretty good situation, I think, to possibly win uh, their first Stanley Cup. Uh, you know, some of the individual stuff that went on, you know, Coach Roy, you know, breaking the AHL wins record, the Bay Area native uh, doing so at SAP Center, uh, playing the first ever American Hockey League game in California at SAP Center. And, uh, you know, the Barracuda had uh, Ryan Carpenter this year uh, winning the uh, AHL league-wide award for uh, his community work in the Bay Area. So there was a lot to be proud of uh, throughout the year. Uh, the, the crowds uh, grew uh, as the season went along, and as the Sharks win, that's certainly going to help the Barracuda moving forward. So uh, certainly looking to uh, season number two and looking forward to calling games uh, again next year on KDOW. So uh, 
we're all smiles right now, but uh, the main focus is uh, Sharks, uh, you know, Saturday afternoon. It's, uh, it's a big game. I was giving a speech last night, and someone came up to me and uh, said that it was a season ticket holder of the Barracuda, and we talked about it for a while because Hurdle had scored a couple goals. Uh, Don Skoy was chipping in. Nieto's doing great. And, again, it's the young players that your kids get to see at the Barracuda who are contributing to the Stanley Cup run. Again, I think we're, I'm getting ahead of myself because there's still six more wins that you have to get, and they're not sure. they're not gimmies. But it, it has been the younger players who have been chipping in um, enormously for the Sharks in the playoffs. Well, you know, they, they provide that boost. Um, and you look at years past, you know, why didn't the Sharks, you know, advance to the next round or go farther in the playoffs? And I think a lot of people would argue you, you look at their depth um, in years past. And, you know, this year it's been all four lines, uh, all six, seven defensemen. And, of course, you know, Martin Jones and Ned has been a real, you know, solidifying effort in between the pipes and, uh, there's good mojo going on this year um, uh, on many different fronts. And uh, like I said, uh, y- y- you had to be there to feel it, but the electricity after the game amongst the fans, you could sense that everyone else was sensing the same thing, and that's, uh, hey, look, uh, there's a real, real strong chance here. And the way the Sharks are playing, you don't want to put the cart in front of the horse, but uh, – I think people are starting to get uh, a little more excited than they have been in the past on this hockey team, and uh, I'm real excited to be around for it. Now, a couple of the players for the Sharks, uh, Logan Couture and uh, Joe Pavelski, you saw play because you've been the voice of the Barracuda. You saw them come through the league. Uh, That must be kind of rewarding as well to see they're no longer the kids. They're no longer the rookies. They're the seasoned veterans. I was watching the the game the last night with uh, the Barracuda head coach, Roy Sommer, and he's had, uh, I think, uh, just around 100 uh, players, you know, pass through over his 18 seasons. I've been with Roy now for 10 of those years. And you're right. I remember remember Logan Couture's first game in Glens Falls, New York, uh, against the uh, the Phantoms or, uh, you know, Justin Braun, you know, coming, uh, driving from UMass Amherst to meet the team in Hartford, Connecticut to play the Wolfpack. And, um, you know, this is what it's all about. Uh, this is what the American Hockey League is. It's uh, developing young players to put them in a position. You know, sometimes it takes a half a season, three years, even five. But uh, it's all about developing players so that they can excel in the National Hockey League and, you know, we're watching prime examples of, you know, Pavelski, Couture, Braun, Wingles, uh, Tierney. Uh, you know, the, the list goes on and on. So it's, uh, you know, it's pretty exciting to, to watch uh, these now men, uh, you know, battle for a Stanley Cup. And, you know, we knew them as, uh, you know, either kids right out of college or juniors and, uh, you know, 20, 21 years old. So uh, there's certainly some uh, a level of satisfaction there. Thank you so much for being with me, Eric. Uh, please come back on as long as the Sharks stay in it. And uh, if they, for some reason, collapse, we'll talk to you next season in the Barracuda. It's Eric Lindquist, the voice of the Barracuda. There is nothing better than Stanley Cup hockey live in person. Second best on television. I'm Rob Black.
Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back again. Little Mrs. Robinson. Not the original, of course, but original hit number one. United Kingdom, Ireland, Spain. I'm always impressed by that. Um, how songs can become such international hits, all collectively, per se. Joining me now, Maria Gallucci from IB Times. Maria, how are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm well. Before we get into your newest content, um, tell us a little bit about yourself as a background as a, a writer-reporter. Sure. So, um, as you mentioned, I'm a reporter with International Business Times based in New York. Um, I typically cover uh, anything that falls under the energy and environment, and increasingly I'm, I'm writing about the national economy as well. Energy and environment. Is that depressing? Because <laughs> there's kind of the clock is ticking environment story always? Well, not always. It's okay. um, definitely easy to fall into that trap of, you know, sort of the everything is going horribly wrong. We're all, you know, existential threat to the planet. But there's a lot of uh, excitement in it, too, in terms of technology and, um, you know, smart people getting getting out ahead of the problem a little bit. That's encouraging to know. You've recently written a piece, Americans are pessimistic about the U.S. economy, but they're upbeat about their personal finances. It's a little bit of a um, off-the-energy-beat, so to speak. It is, yeah, but it's, um, as I mentioned, I sometimes I write about uh, the national economy or even international economies as well, um, just being a focus of IB Times. And uh, I thought this story was interesting. Um, it, it's based on um, the findings of a poll by the Associated Press and the NORC Center for Public Affairs Research. And I thought it was interesting because it sort of reflects how, uh, you know, we can feel kind of divided about the economy personally. Maybe things are going well. Maybe we got a raise or or maybe, you know, the value of our house went up or recovered from the Great Reception, or Recession. rather. Um, but when we think about the national economy, there seems to be a lot of doom and gloom or uncertainty. Are we heading toward another recession? Um, what's the stock market doing? So there's sort of this big uh, dichotomy in, in the sentiment about the economy. There's uh, economic data that comes out once a month called consumer sentiment, and I think it plays into exactly what you wrote about where they pull people and they say, how do you feel about the economy? And most of us go, we feel pretty good, but we think our neighbors are struggling. So we kind of project, like, maybe we shouldn't be feeling good. So if consumer sentiment's booming, obviously we're more likely to go on vacations, more, we're more likely to make children, we're more likely to buy a bigger house. But we're always thinking, we hear it's tough out there, Yahoo's laying people off. I think my neighbor used to work at Yahoo, and we kind of, like, project doom and gloom. A little bit of that in the survey, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and sort of what the survey found is that people feel uh, a lot of anxiety about things that are beyond their own control. So uh, kind of like what you said, like, well, there's these companies that are laying people off, or maybe even there's a lot of news lately about oil prices um, are, are down, and that's led to bankruptcies uh, among oil and gas companies, thousands of layoffs there. Um, coal companies are going bankrupt as well. Um, steel, the steel sector has been hurt. So you hear all of this and maybe you know or may, somebody who's been laid off or maybe you've been laid off. And so uh, the national picture looks uncertain. Um, 
because it's sort of there's nothing you can do about the stock market volatility, for example. In the survey, only 23% of the respondents said they think the economy will improve this year. Um, I don't even know where to go with that. To me, that kind of feels like it's doing okay. We see the employment numbers. We're seeing the auto numbers. We're seeing the housing numbers. And it's all pretty good. Um, And yet, it's a small amount of people that think the economy is going to improve. Right. And I think... um what surveys have shown this one and others is that maybe people are a little bit reluctant to embrace the fact that we are recovering from the Great Recession because there's this fear that maybe another one isn't so far off. or So so maybe we feel that, well, the economy is not doing horribly, but it's not doing great. So maybe, maybe there's sort of a, reluct, a reluctance to feel optimistic about the economy because you don't want to be blindsided by by something else, you know, a downturn. And on the other hand, where we're feeling, you know, the economy is not great, but on the other hand, we're saying our own personal finances are doing great or doing well in the survey, even though I think a lot of the data says that's not true. Uh, the companies like Fidelity, the companies like TD Ameritrade, when they show surveys, they're showing people that don't have enough for emergency funds. They're showing people uh, massively under saving for retirement. But yet we feel confident. Is, is That's kind of interesting to me. Yeah, I think that we, uh, just as humans, think it very short term. Um, okay. Another sort of related example that I always think is interesting is when gas prices go down, um, sales of SUVs and trucks go up. Very, you know, it's, it's that quick. Within a year, sales will shoot up of these heavier, more fuel-intensive cars when it's, you know, the, the fuel prices could very well go back up or, you know, maybe if there's tighter environmental standards down the road, your car wouldn't fit those. Or, you know, it's, it's kind of not looking at the long-term picture. Speaking with Maria Gallucci, she's with the IB Times, International Business Times. Inside your article, you also bring up the presidential elections, which it just seems every year, every four years, it gets meaner and nastier. And this this isn't this isn't letting us down. It's getting meaner and meaner and nastier and nastier. Um, how are the elections playing into our psyche? Sure. Well, um, this particular survey found that uh, Republicans in particular are far more likely to feel negatively about the economy. Um, you know, they, they didn't vote for Obama. They they think that the economy has done very poorly um, under his two terms. And so they are feeling worse about it than uh, Democrats are, according to this survey. And I mean, you, you see it if you watch anything related to the elections or read anything, you see candidates are promising to pull us out of this dark hole that we've apparently fallen into, right? They're going to bring back manufacturing jobs. They're going to um, improve trade. They're going to, um, you know, put more money in our pockets. They're going to re- uh, reduce the um, income equality gap, all of these things. And they so in order to sell themselves, they have to uh, undermine the the or, you know, tarnish the the image of the U.S. economy as it is. So we can think that it'll get better if we vote for them. Good stuff. Anything else in the article or anything else that you're um, working on right now that is worthy of note? Well, I think another um, point that the article uh, touches on or or the survey touched on is that um, just this broader anxiety about the income equality gap, this idea as well that um, maybe folks also aren't feeling so great about the economy because they don't feel like it's um, any that the improvements we have seen have been distributed equally, that maybe um, some are benefiting more than others. So I think that that sort of national discussion about uh, the widening gap between rich and middle class and poor also kind of 
plays into the way we think about the economy. Showing you how shallow I am. I'm flipping through the IB Times at this point in time, and there's a story about Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie divorcing. That's got me depressed about the economy all of a sudden. <laughs> We're a shallow yeah. nation. We're a shallow nation. And very uh, easily distracted, too. You know, you see, like, anything on your phone, it's like, oh, what's this? What's the next thing? It's uh, hard to keep attention to pants. <laughs> I am very easily distracted. You hit that on the nose. Thank you so much, Maria. It's Maria Gallucci, um, reporter, energy on the environment, extraordinaire. You can find her at ibtimes.com. It's ibtimes.com. Um, I think any time that you, you know, write down your thoughts and you share your thoughts, it's, it's just a powerful thing. And um, I have great respect for the people at Newsweek and Ivy Times. They come on the show every Friday, and uh, hopefully I'm not too flip at times for that conversation. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I am a little upset about Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. It's a classic example of how financially well-planned are you. Um, they've got kids. Um, they both work in an industry that's incredibly fickle. Their income may never come back. Um, take a look at yourself. Take a look at your children and their divorces and how much financial ruin those cause. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The global stock markets have rebounded today. This has been a 50-50 split week so far. Two up days, two down days. On where we go, nobody knows. Oil is vacillating today. Option expiration, which means there's a lot of um, activity, um, especially as we go into the close of the market. Nothing, nothing to see here. Keep on going. Nothing to see here. There's nothing to see here. Keep on going. Um, <clears throat> you have heavily weighted financials, tech, healthcare, and industrials leading the market. Weakness in utilities, consumer staples, and energy, which are considered more defensive areas of the stock market. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Applebee's, interestingly enough, is putting in some um, wood-burning ovens. I know you're saying, why are you talking about Applebee's? It's the classic example of what you have to pay attention to in investing. Um, This is a play on millennials. Millennials want something unique as far as flavor goes. Applebee's has looked at their menu. Applebee's has looked at their sales, and they said, we're boring. We're what every other restaurant does. We better bring in some wood-fired stuff so we have wood-fired pork chops and wood-fired apple smokes this. And um, Long story short, evolve or die in the fickle world of uh, retail and restaurants. Um, you know, going from prepackaged microwave food to freshly prepared food, so when you get the vegetables that have clearly been put in a bag and clearly put in a microwave, it turns you off from ever wanting to go there again. Instead of going to pre-cut steaks, go to hand-cut steaks. Instead of going to consistently cooked, try to get a little more perfectly cooked. Um, that's how restaurants win or lose. And it's a business model that you couldn't quickly learn from. And it's why investing in restaurants is brutally tough. Outback Steakhouses in the 1990s was an amazing investment. And every time you went there, you're like, this is pretty good. Bloom and onion, good. But, and this is a big but, once you got bad service once or once you got a gamey uh, steak, you're like, I'm never coming back here again. Fickle, very fickle invested restaurants. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing in more. This is my second favorite song of the moment. Take a break. Be right back. I try my best, hey, cover
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW on the iHeartRadio app. we got to wait for the whistle again. That's part about this song. I myself wish I could write music. I can't. We all have skills. I can do a mean karaoke. But it's someone else's music, right? We're going to get back to the whistle? Come on, here we go. Would this not be a fun show to see in person? Way better than the sound of music, right? <laughs> You're saying the sound of music. Yes, the hills are alive. Uh, 1959 musical. Um, probably one of the worst pieces of crap in American history, and yet we get go, ooh. Rogers and Hammerstein. So um, Patty Page recorded the title song for the sound of music. Um, everywhere you look... Wall Street loves the sound of music. If we could have Julie Andrews be our spokesperson and come out and go, look, Americans, our paychecks, and sing, the hills are alive. Um, paychecks are doing great in the United States right now. Slow wage growth has been amongst the biggest problems. Big, 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 big problem. Wages are finally rising, though, and they're going to get faster and faster, and it's going to create a little job inflation. And it's, You don't see it coming yet. It's coming. Everything's looking a little bit rosier. The basic measure in economic parlance, is average hourly earnings. That's from the monthly jobs report. It's hit a cycle highs three times in the past five months, and it's been accelerating as of late. So the trend is moving forward, picking up a little bit of speed. Um, The employment cost index, which is considered the most comprehensive look at the measure of wages, it's been moving upward over the past few years. And again, Hugh Julie Andrews. Like, we're so happy. We're in the Swiss freaking Alps singing, like, cocoa songs. Swiss Miss Cocoa. Um, other measures of wages that are also increasing. Uh, uh, usual weekly earnings. The series is inherently volatile, meaning usual weekly earnings has been accelerating, which is nice. The Atlanta Fed Wage Tracker. It's also been accelerating from 2.7% growth in 2014 to 3.3% in 2015. Um, And just the last April reading was up 3.4%, so year-to-year plus the recent quarter. Um, Labor market's getting tighter, which should mean you can go to your boss. It's Friday, and I don't recommend this. Take this job and shove it. Everyone should walk down the hallway right now and tell their boss, I'm quitting. I got me a better offer. I'm going to become a raccoon hunter. I know you're saying you want... I've always wanted to be a raccoon hunter. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working here no more. That was like a pop song in the 1970s. How is that possible? Um, Let's just put it this way. Americans don't have very good taste. If you know what I'm saying. 800-516-1220. How about that McDonald's commercial? If we can find that McDonald's commercial where the couple's getting married and they're, they're dancing and they're having a party. I figured out that commercial last night. It took me a little bit of time, right? Have you seen the McDonald's commercial where it's, it's wedding day and it's two young millennials and they're so happy and they got friends and it's, it's the most joyous day. And then at the end of the day, 
they, they get in the limo and they haven't eaten. Oh my gosh, they haven't eaten. And dad put McDonald's in the limo for them. Now I figured out that commercial. It's not about being so busy on your wedding day that you don't have time to eat. No, 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 no. That's too obvious. It's all about the dad not wanting his daughter to consummate the marriage. <laughs> Let's all save. Two people are doing that on the honeymoon night. There ain't going to be no consummation. And marriage won't be legal. So McDonald's doesn't want us to get married. And McDonald's doesn't want us to have children. That's the marketing message. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. LinkedIn sent out an email yesterday that said, you need to reset your password. Why? Because a whopping 167 million accounts were compromised, including 117 million passwords. You should have something that I refer to as at least an annual password reset day, where you reset all your passwords. At least once a year, if not every quarter. If you can't do it every 90 days, the number one ranked password. Now, let's do the, let's do the top five, because you'll appreciate this. The top five passwords at LinkedIn that were hacked. 11111 was number six. Number five was 12345678. Number four, 12345678.9. Number three, password. Number two, the password for LinkedIn, LinkedIn. And the number one password most frequently used at LinkedIn, 123456. I have absolutely no respect for any of you. I want you all to eat at McDonald's tonight. None of you should be making babies. I have no respect for, get this, the 753,000 people at LinkedIn whose password is 123456. I have no respect for you. You know, the best way to do a password is a sentence. Um, let's say the hills are alive. That is way better than one, two, three, four, five, six. Now, the hills are alive is probably not good for anyone tied towards the Andrews family. But with that said, very few people are. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Existing home sales hit 5.45 million units in April. Woo! Not bad. National Association of Realtors, also known as NAR. They said existing home sales increased 1.7%. Economists had expected home sales to rise to 5.4 million. They hit 5.45 million. Some regional variations, of course. Midwest up 12.1%. Northeast and the South and the West all lost steam. So it's about location, location, location. Housing starts also increased more than expected in April as builders ramped up construction of single and multifamily homes. We need more homes. Elvis needs boats. Americans need more homes. I'm Rob Black. Find me at Rob Black Show. Twitter, Rob Black Show. YouTube, Rob Black Show.